Hey there, thank you for joining the live podcast, a podcast provided by the Love Your Soul Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit aimed to help spread the message of self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has in not only building a better relationship with yourself, but a better relationship with others and with our beautiful planet. So if you're on a mission of self-healing, of self-improvement, of self-discovery, this podcast is for you. Be sure to like us on all social media platforms at the LY Foundation, at our website, thelyfoundation.org. And we're so thankful that you found us and we just hope to help you no matter where you are in your journey and to remind you that you are the most important person in your life. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to The Conversation, a LYF podcast series where we provide our insights, thoughts, and experiences on self-love exploration. My name is JR, Technology Coordinator and Board Member for the Love Yourself Foundation. And my name is Ayla, Growth and Development Coordinator for the Love Yourself Foundation. Welcome to week seven. Or I almost can't even say it. I'm like, really? Are we on week seven? <laughs> Yes, I can confirm. We are week seven right now, which is crazy. It seems like we're getting that much closer to the end, which is sad. Yeah, I know. We're going to have five weeks left, which the time is going by really fast. And still, I'm excited to see what comes of it. And also to talk about this week, because I feel like this week was a little bit different from the other ones in that she's developing the way that she does the tasks and what she's asking of us at this point. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a little less reflective and more, okay, do it now. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's really fun. Yeah, I felt the same way too. Definitely exercise task heavy in this chapter, but a lot of stuff I've learned about myself and actually there is some... I know we're going to get into the check-ins like we normally do, but there is some synchronicity that happened with the chapter and something that happened at work. So it was okay. very interesting to have those correlate with one another. Yeah, and so we can get into it. Week seven was about recovering a sense of connection. Julia says, we turn this week to the practice of right attitudes for creativity. The emphasis is on your receptive as well as active skills. The essays, exercises, and tasks aim at excavating areas of genuine creative interest as you connect with your personal dreams. I feel like she's always really good about writing the descriptions for the week and making me really invested for what's to come. But I think that does sum up really what we did this week. And I know that one thing I was reflecting on this week is how much more I've felt like the aptitude to do creative things, which I thought was really nice. That's really cool to hear too, because that's really what the basis of this is all about, right? Is to learn more about your artistic side, tap into your um, child artist and want you to become more creative throughout your day to day and throughout your life. It's cool to see that it's actually working and I can share the same sentiment. It is working for me as well. And I feel more inclined to do more creative things. And this chapter really honed in on the idea of listening to yourself. Don't worry about being a perfect artist and what not tapping into those types of things would entail if you had a little bit more freedom within yourself. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I've recently through this become 
a lot more mindful of like myself, my emotions and desires, I guess, if you will, and how those can drive my actions. And so I associate that with the artist way and the builds there. And I felt like it just happened, which is interesting. But we can talk about that in the check-in as we're already doing. Of course, the first question always is how many days this week did you do your morning pages? Have you allowed yourself to daydream a few creative risks? Are you coddling your artist child with childhood loves? All right, hold on to yourselves, okay? The drum roll, please. Your boy did five out of seven days. Let's go. Wow. Talk about improvement. I'm patting myself on the back. You can't hear that, but I'm doing it. That's the biggest come up I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what's expected of you in the coming right, weeks. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> No and how more... was that for you? Yeah, it was great. It was great. It was nice to feel accomplished. It was nice to not feel like I was forcing myself to get to a certain number and actually just do it as it came. So it was good to get to that point of just doing and not really thinking about it as much. So it was nice to get the five days. Obviously, we have one more day. We're recording a little early this week. We still have tomorrow. But yeah, it was really good. And I think the stuff that I was talking about this week was really tapping into what is it I can do to be more creative and really try to daydream a little bit of what my passion would look like, oh. what how I would do it. Actually put more effort, more time into focusing on that this time around instead of what I was usually doing and just using it as a journal and trying to get things off of my head. Really good. So how about you? I did less this week. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and it's okay. really interesting because I started off really strong. And on Monday, I was like, wow, I loved my morning page. I was super creative too. I had so many ideas that I was getting onto the paper, which I thought was really fascinating to have that much creativity like as soon as i wake up it was cool to see and i was like wow this is the start to a good week for me and then it just went downhill and i'm not quite sure <laughs> hey it happens trust me <laughs> i'm not sure where it went i'm like but i think sharing the sentiment to i think i said last week that i'm over the morning pages where i'm like i just want to do the thing but i'm aware of the benefit still so it's a struggle for me but this week i did four out of seven not the biggest failure but also not consistent to where i've been which kind of demonstrates that but i think that my mind was also a lot of other places this week and that that's the best i could do and that's i do feel like i use the pages a lot to daydream though that maybe it's about 50 50 like it starts off writing about what's on my mind and then it goes into i want to talk about my interests and what i want to do and so I will say that it is leaning there and because of that my body's okay let's just do the thing let's stop writing about it which i think mm. is good and i think that allows yourself time to adapt when those days do come up because throughout this entire process and probably just life in general it's never going to be perfect allowing yourself that grace and, and being able to just want to do the thing and i think that's really important as you continue throughout the artist way and and really just what it is that you want to do for your day-to-day -day. speaking of day-to-day -day, did you do your artist date this week and if you did you take any risks and what did you do and how to make you feel i did a lot of feeding my artist this week i don't know i know we talked about using the collage <laughs> as oh, yeah. an artist date we'll get into this task later but the listening to one half of the album and doodling mm -hmm. i did that actually a couple times because i loved it so much and i feel like this week i did like a bunch of mini dates where i like tried to spread across each day something that was filling the if you will back to week one which i thought went well. I didn't give my artist something big to do, but I felt like I did something different in the sense of trying every day to do something that feeds that creativity in me, which is 
a different experience because I realized that something so simple and even as little as 20 minutes can help me to feel more creative and connected to ideas and increase my performance at work and other things. A half yes, if you count that. What did you do? It ended up spending some time doing some video editing, really. So getting oh. back into something that I really enjoy, something that I'm not a master of, continuing to learn. So I wanted to give myself a little bit of time to get back into Final Cut Pro and be able to be creative on that side of creating little videos. So it was nice. I do notice that when I'm away from it, I yearn to do it. And it was nice to just spend some time to just focus on that and put the phone away and turn on do not disturb and just really focus on doing that which is great and i am planning out for the next artist date i think we're gonna go to a new coffee shop that's just maybe about five minutes away from where i live and actually get back to doing one of the tasks from a previous week of gathering images of things that you like or things that you want and probably put it into a little pinterest board so probably throw in the airpods and look at you go out and see how that works so yeah i'm really excited for that i love that yeah and it's cool to see like over the weeks how the artist date changes or what we do for it and how it impacts us as well. I know you talked about it at the beginning of the episode, but did you experience any synchronicity this week and what was it? I did. And we'll talk about it when we get into the chapter, but there is a section there that talks about perfectionism and something that came up was actually with my boss is we're pretty close to one another. We've known each other for more than a decade, almost two decades at this point. So we're pretty comfortable with one another. And we tend to have really insightful conversations with one another. And one of the things, especially with me being in the new role that I'm in, is I just asked her, what's a bad trait that I do at work? Or what is something that I can work on? And one thing that she brought up was procrastination in the sense of me not knowing how to do something, I wait a very long time to do it because I'm afraid that I'm not going to either do it right or I want to make it perfect, whatever the case may be. Mm. And it just so happened that there's a chapter in here about perfectionism and how that kind of holds you back from just doing the thing because you want to be as concise, as perfect as you can be, which really you shouldn't be that way. So it was really interesting to have that conversation with her, which was very insightful and a very positive experience for me. And to then read it in the chapter of, okay, all right, universe, what are we doing Universe is now that we can educate you about it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Here's why you do the thing. So it was really good. I love that. I don't think I experienced any this week. As we go back through what we learned, maybe something will come up for me, but nothing is coming to mind necessarily. I feel like if anything, again, I'm not sure that it's synchronicity. I guess my behaviors and my interest to like have the energy align more often where I am doing the thing and I'm having the energy to do, or I'm just listening to what I need. And so if I'm in sync with my body, if that counts. No, I think that definitely Uh, counts, which is great. I'm glad that you're in tune with that. Yeah, it comes and goes, but I feel like that's where it's at right now. And maybe it's more difficult to pinpoint a synchronicity over the entirety of a program because I'm sure there's things that happen where it connects back to other weeks, but I'm not like conscious of it. All the same, a good week. But of course, the last question, were there any other issues this week that you consider significant for your recovery and describe them? For me, no. This week actually is the first week where I feel like I didn't have any issues with that, which was good. I don't know what's happening. Maybe this is actually working, but yeah, very happy with the way that the week has gone and no issues on my end. 
cool. What about you? I'd say maybe still time management. I still have the problem of not prioritizing my development and finishing other things first or stressing about other things that aren't even really as time sensitive. Because I'm like, this is something that I'm doing this week, but I'll prioritize things that are a month away or solidifying the belief that I need to prioritize working on myself and not canceling the appointment, if you will. Sticking to I the time that. that I designate. I'd say that's the biggest thing. And, and it's going to be interesting because for week eight, I will be out of town for four days. And so we'll see how that works. But I feel like it also is an opportunity because it's on me on my own that I can use the time when I'm at the hotel to really take that time for myself. I'm just hoping that I don't say, oh, I'm so tired after this long day and I'm done. So we'll see how it goes. It'll be an interesting episode next week for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely safe travels when you do head out, but I'm hoping for the best when you're out there. And speaking of taking time for yourself and really acknowledging that for you, we can get into that first chapter of this week, which is actually listening. I did enjoy all the chapters she had this week. It's also pretty brief as we were talking about before the episode started. Listening is an interesting chapter. There's a couple things I have highlighted here. She says that the ability to listen is a skill we are honing in on with both the morning pages and the artist dates because the pages train us to hear past our sensor and the artist dates help us pick up the voice of inspiration. She goes on to talk about how when we're making art that it shouldn't be something that's conscious. We shouldn't be telling. We should be instead letting ourselves, our hands, our the brush we're holding, do the talking and listen to what comes, which I thought was a really interesting perspective. And it's what I would like to try to do, but it never comes out that way yeah, for me. Exactly. I'm like, how do I listen? Because nothing is happening. <laughs> it's waiting for me. And so some other things I have highlighted, she says we can learn not only to listen, but also to hear with increasing accuracy. That inspired intuitive voice says, do this, try this, say this, where she says that practicing doing the morning pages in the artist dates kind of hones in on that skill. And she said, with that practice, we can learn how to hear the desired frequency on request. Oh, I actually do have a synchronicity. <laughs> oh, there it is. There, she found it. In therapy, actually, we were talking about this. I just didn't necessarily associate with each other, but about how you do know the answers you just have to ask them and listen and again i feel like that's things we've talked about in previous weeks as well but the idea that we try so hard to think logically about what we do or at least i do that i don't give myself the opportunity to listen to just what comes up and that's why i do love the morning pages because it's just whatever comes up it's not really methodical what did you get from the chapter? Similar to what you were just saying there, the thing that I highlighted here for the chapter is when she talks about thinking of something up versus getting something down. She says, if we are trying to think something up, we are straining to reach for something that's just beyond our grasp up there in that stratosphere where art lives on high. When we get something down, there is no strain. We're not doing, we're getting. Someone or something else is doing the doing instead of reaching our in inventions we are engaged in listening. And that really resonated with me because there is this sense of needing to try to come up with the idea or think up of this grand thing that we either want to do or create or whatever it may be, when really just listening to yourself and doing the thing, I know that seems to be the highlight phrase of this episode, but it's just really interesting to, to know that if you just want to get something down 
it's super easy. And like you said about the morning pages, that's that practice. And I feel like Julia knew exactly what she was doing, what she said at the very beginning to put three pages down of whatever it is, even if it's blah, 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 or I don't know what to write a thousand times because it trains you to be able to get the things off of your chest or off of your mind and just be able to listen through the words that are coming onto the page or going onto the page. It's just interesting how she built that into now this chapter of just really understanding about listening to yourself. Yeah, I love the way you explained that and also connecting that back because it's interesting she put it all together and it's like when you read the end of a book and you're like, wow, from the first page like it feels like they knew where this was going and so i feel like in that way the morning pages finally click (laughs) where it's oh i get it now like Mm -hmm. it's training us to not feel like we have to think about it and to just get something down which i think is really cool yeah and one other thing that i highlighted here she says once you accept that it is natural to create you can begin to accept a second idea that the creator will hand you whatever you need for the project and again this is the idea of giving in to the creator the universe the god that you believe in knowing that if you just free up your mind to just listen to yourself and just do it that the universe or god is going to give you the necessary tools or the answers to get to where it is that you want to go of being a creative, which was really interesting to read. Yeah, I feel every week I say it's cool how, what she chooses to start the week off with <laughs> because right. it always leads into things. And I think that it sets up for the next chapter, which is on perfectionism, which I think I'm really interested in talking about with you because I feel like in the creative world, that's what holds me back the most is feeling like it has to be a product that I'm producing at the end of the day and it has to have no errors and it hurts me to look at something and be like oh my gosh there's a mistake in that yeah (laughs) and i know i can fix it but there's always going to be something Um, yeah and i think that we're two different people we live different lives we have different paths for each other but i feel like we both share this in common when it comes to perfectionism because i obviously i talked about it a little bit earlier that's something that i have struggled with for quite a long time. And it's silly, especially after reading this chapter, to feel that way because a lot of the perfectionism that comes out of me is things that I am just starting to learn. And the idea of, I need to be really good at this right out the gate, even though I know absolutely nothing about what it is that I'm doing, which is, it's silly to think that way, but it really is a hindrance in our lives to try to be that perfect. Julia says perfectionism is a refusal to let yourself move ahead, which is absolutely true. There are so many times that I can pinpoint where I want this video to be edited perfectly. Even the podcast, when I speak, I want to make sure that I'm hitting all my words correctly. I want the sentences to make sense. If you just allow yourself to not be perfect in a sense of this thing that you're doing, the thing that you're creating doesn't need to be perfect. You can move ahead. You can keep doing the things. You can grow as an artist. And that is something for me that I always need to remember moving forward, especially through this program. And prior to that quote, she says, perfectionism has nothing to do with getting it right. It is a loop that causes you to get stuck in the details of what you are writing or painting or making and to lose sight of the whole. And at the end, she says, do not fear mistakes. There are none. And it's interesting to think about it as like her saying that it's not about getting it right. And that's what I just said. I feel like I have to get it perfect. And she said, that's not what it's about for you. It's about not letting yourself move ahead because you're so focused on little things. 
But those little things feel so big, don't they? It feels so important to the big thing. Because I'm like, if there's a ton of little things that are off, then it takes away from the whole. It's like on a test. One question is a little thing, but you get enough of them wrong. And it's funny that I say that because the next quote that I have is, instead of enjoying the process, the perfectionist is constantly grading the results. <laughs> the other lines that I have highlighted here is, every draft is meant to be final, perfect, set in stone for the perfectionist. There are no first drafts, rough sketches, warm-up exercises. And when I think about that, I'm like, wow, that sounds silly. <laughs> I think in my own life, there are areas where I've learned, okay, there obviously is going to be a draft here. And I feel like in my work, I do really well with that, with writing multiple versions. But when it comes to art in any form, even when I'm like just sketching it out, or drafting the idea, it feels like that has to be perfect. And that I can't really go into the quote-unquote final product without knowing what the final product is. <laughs> yes. It's really difficult. And I want to hear what you think about that distinction and if you see it that way as well. Yeah. I think that a lot of that kind of stems from not wanting to make mistakes and understanding that failure is not a negative, which took a very long time to get to that point to understand that. But I do know as trying to be a creative, there are a lot of instances where I try to make whatever it is that I'm creating as perfect as possible to the point where I either don't show it off, I don't publish it, I don't share it with other people because I feel like it's not complete, which is in a sense to me sad because I want to be able to show these things off. I want to be able to highlight them or put them on display because that's what brings me joy. That's what I put that effort in. And a lot of the times, especially with something that's new, like video editing is one thing, is that I'm the one that knows that even if I put something out, I still feel like it's not complete. I feel like I could have done something different. But the reality of it is when other people watch it, they love it. It's amazing. Hey, you did such a great job. How do you do this? How do you do that? But in the back of my head, as a perfectionist, I think this is not good. What do you mean this is good? This is terrible. I could have edited it a totally different way. I could have done this or whatever. How is it that you don't see these things that I see? Which really is just holding me back from being the creative that I want to be because it's going to be like that for the rest of my life. If I really want to be the artist I want to be in whatever space that it is, I have to be willing to not be perfect. I have to be willing to just put it out there, keep going, because it allows me to grow as a person, as an artist, over time. I watched something recently talking about content creation and how cringe it is to look at old videos that you put out of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, so true. <laughs> but really, it's a way for you to learn from what you were doing back then to make it better now. And then it's just a constant process of getting better over time. It really was something that I needed to hear this week about perfectionism and then bringing up the whole procrastination idea at my job, just realizing, yes, this is something that has been holding me back for a long time and I don't want that to be that way anymore. Julia does say here, a painting is never finished. It simply stops in interesting places, which is a great way of framing that idea oh. of, you know, you don't have to make it perfect. The next time you pick up a canvas, it's going to be something totally different and you learn from the previous painting you did, but it doesn't have to be perfect. In a sense, in a weird way, now that I'm putting this out there, the thing that you're creating is perfect. You just have to allow it to be that way, if that makes any sense. It does. <laughs> what makes it perfect is that it's done by your definition of being done. Exactly. And 
I think everything you just said was really great. And the idea that thinking of things almost like a portfolio, like you finish something and yeah, there's more that you'd want to do, but use that energy into the next thing you create and say, okay, now I'm trying to one up that and just to keep doing that. I've never had that mentality about it, but hearing you talk about it inspires me to look at it that way because I share that sentiment as well where I'm like, wow, I would have done it differently if I had another chance. But instead of going on to the next thing and using that energy to go on to the next project, do it differently, it holds you back. And I think that's what she's getting across here is you have to continue to build upon yourself. And it goes back to what she was saying in prior weeks about comparing ourselves to people that have been doing it for years, decades that have mastered it when we're just starting. So it definitely leaves me in a place of feeling more inclined to just continue. And I think that's the message is you just have to finish and then do it again, try something new and build upon it that way. Yeah, I think that is an excellent explanation of that, which carries on to the next chapter, which is risk. Julia says, we've all heard that the unexamined life is not worth living, but consider too that the unlived life is not worth examining. The success of a creative recovery hinges on our ability to move out of the head and into action. And this chapter goes over that idea of if you're not taking a risk to do the thing that you want to do or experience, are you really doing everything you can to be the best artist that you want to be? Yeah. And I love how she starts this chapter. It's question, what would I do if I didn't have to do it perfectly? Answer a great deal more than I am. And towards the end of that first page, she says, we deny that in order to do something well, we must first be willing to do it badly. And taking that into consideration and the whole idea of risk is interesting because usually we associate risk with things that have negative outcomes. And for me, when I'm like thinking about the time it would take to put into art and the things that I'm interested in creating, I don't necessarily have to publish that where I post it for people to see or share it with people and so there there is no risk to me doing it <laughs> right. people would be like oh the risk is maybe negative feedback or people not liking it but until you're in a place where you're confident and you love the art that you're putting out there you don't have to share it i feel like i've been stuck in the whole idea of oh i'm not willing to take the risk but it's like what is really at stake here and that's the message that stuck with me throughout this chapter i have a question for you in regards to that have you ever had a desire to share the things that you create? Yeah, all the time. I feel like I want so badly to do that. I just don't feel confident in the things that I am going to share, which is a weird kind of dichotomy because I'm like, I would love to share, but I don't have anything to share. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool to make something and be able to display that. But I guess being my own kind of block or sensor to say, oh, that's not good enough to share. And so I've, I guess, not been in the place to be like, I feel really good about this to the point where I don't care what people think of it. But I also, until this program, I've never really given myself the chance to try. It's interesting that you bring that up because I do enjoy sharing the things that I create, regardless of if I feel that it's quote unquote perfect or not. But I, it never felt like a risk to me initially to just put out like a video that I edited or whatever. But as I learn more about my craft and the more I get into learning that, I feel like then the risk starts to creep in, which I don't even know if it's a risk. I think it's more so internally of what's the reaction going to be? What's the comments going to look like? Or what's the feedback that I'm going to receive when I put this out here? 
which at the end of the day, like you said, it should be more of who cares. This is it's supposed to be for me that nothing else really should matter. Julia, I had highlighted something that was really important to me after this chapter, which she says, usually when we say we can't do something, what we mean is that we won't do something unless we can guarantee that we'll do it perfectly. And it's so crazy to even think of that idea that you would stop yourself from doing something because you wouldn't be the best at it or you it won't be perfect. This also brings up that situation where I had left my job and went to go try to do my own thing. That was at the time a huge risk. I didn't know what environment I was going to be in. I'd never done something like this before, never owned a business and never ran a business. But there was something inside of me that told me that I needed to do that. I've learned so much from that risk that it has allowed me to experience things that I didn't think I would be able to experience if I was still working at the place I was working at. I wouldn't have met the people that I did. I wouldn't have gained inspiration to do more photography and videography if I didn't have that extra time to myself to be able to be around in that environment. And now to be in this place and time to want to do that even more, have a passion to do it more makes me feel like I can go after those risks more so than if I didn't take that first one. Wow, it's interesting to hear from that perspective because you did take a big risk, I think, and to hear how that was displayed for you. I don't think I've ever really done anything like that that I can think of. I feel like every choice I've ever made has been methodical, but I've always known in the back of my head like what I wish I was doing and how I was afraid of doing it for whatever reason. But I think that through this conversation and chapter and learning throughout this program even, the idea that to be successful, you have to just keep going and you can't stop. And to commit to that, I think, is the hardest thing for me. And I guess just realizing that you have to really take a chance on yourself. And that's a really big ask. Hopefully it would be good. I wanted to tell you, because just as soon as you said that, it just reminded me of everything that you've gone through in just a year or two years of making moves for yourself taking risks of multiple jobs and really trying to chase the thing that you want to do for yourself and making changes in your life to better yourself without taking those risks at that time. You might not be the person that you are today, which speaks volumes of who you are. It's interesting. I don't know. I I just never thought of those things as risks because like what would the outcome be that could harm me, I guess, was always my idea. And it's funny because I look at that and I look at art and I'm like, why don't I share that? (laughs) And even if I have taken it, it doesn't feel like I even classify it that way because I'm like, oh, if it didn't work, there was always another option. Yeah. So it definitely gives me a lot to think about when I continue to move forward in my creative recovery. Yeah. And same for me too. I think the last thing that I want to just touch on here is just the quote that she pulls from the movie Ragey Bull, which sums it up for me. And I think that really is a little bit of a mantra, I guess you could say for myself is so do it if you win. And if you lose, you win. And that really spoke volumes to me just because of the risks that I have taken in my life to either better myself or go after the thing that I wanted to go after, that there really wasn't a loss. Some of the things didn't pan out or some things didn't work out the way that I hoped, but the win was who I am today, what I've learned from all those experiences, and I wouldn't trade it in for the world. And I think that mindset change is really instrumental into the person that you become 
throughout this program and after and so i'm excited for us and it's an interesting lead into the next chapter yeah <laughs> which i think also was an interesting chapter for me the next chapter is on jealousy which it's interesting that she waits till week seven to talk about this i think but i love similar to the, her perspective on anger i love how she displays how we use jealousy and she says that jealousy is a map each of our maps differ and each of us will probably be surprised by some of the things we discover on our own my jealousy has actually been a mask for my fear of doing something i really wanted to do but was not yet brave enough to take action toward and i highlighted a lot of things so i honestly could have just highlighted the whole it's right, a yeah. short little chapter <laughs> but that line there that jealousy is a mask for fear of doing something you really want to do but not yet brave enough to take action toward i feel like when it comes to people in the space of what i want to do i'm a super jealous person mm -hmm. and i'm like oh i feel like i could do that i don't know why like how do they have a platform when i can do it better and all the like, toxic things that jealousy <laughs> tells right. and to read it like that was really awakening for me she after that says jealousy is always a mask for fear fear that we aren't able to get what we want frustration that somebody else seems to be getting what is rightfully ours even if we are too frightened to reach for it and then later she says the truth revealed by action in the direction of our dreams is that there is room for all of us but jealousy produces tunnel vision this chapter just really is interesting because she talks about how it tells us that there's only Jealousy tells us there's room for only one, one poet, one painter, one whatever you dream of being. And I honestly could just read the whole chapter. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it really put in perspective to me that there is space for all of us and that maybe it's just our ego trying to preserve like, oh, if you tried, you could do that. Oh, 100%. Um, but to make sure that you're protected, let's never try. And I feel like that's what held me back for so long. That really set up my week to take into consideration the uniqueness I offer and believe in that. Yeah, I felt a similar kind of emotion when I read this chapter of just, there's a couple times throughout the weeks where I'm just like, all right, Joey, let's, let's dial that back. You don't have to say it so loudly. But for me, it was one of those instances of acknowledging that I have gone through this. And especially when it comes to being a creative and being an artist of realizing that you want to be where other people are at in the same space. I think a lot for me is that ego that comes along with it, but more the sense of envy. I envy a lot of people who are in the spaces that I want to be in or doing the things that I want to do. And that's where a lot of the jealousy comes from is that I want to do that. I want to be like that, even to the point of saying, I think that I can do better. But then you realize how much effort these people are putting into their craft, how many hours they're spending to be better and the things that they're putting themselves through to become the best artist that they can be there's a little piece of me in the back of my head of just, oh, that's a lot of work. I don't know if I want to do that, but I will say that I can be better than you. Okay. <laughs> and just realizing now you can't have that tunnel vision. Yeah. You have to realize that everybody can be a part of it. And the thing that you bring to the table is going to be unique regardless of how many photographers there are in the world and how many people are editing videos and creating documentaries or short films or whatever because you're giving yourself the opportunity to do it, you don't have to be jealous anymore. You can just enjoy the fact that we're all doing it together. Yeah, I think that's such a hard thing because in our society, it's so comparative. And it's interesting, as you were saying that, I remembered a conversation me and a friend had where he's a creative and we were talking about influencers and the difficulty of 
gaining followers and creating and I was like oh I think I could do that easily I understand it I understand how to do it and he was like then why don't you and I was like oh I didn't want you to ask that question. Thank you very much. I was like, we weren't supposed to go any farther. <laughs> yeah. But it was really like a demonstration for me that it's like, you can't have it both ways. And trying to convince your mind to be like, okay, if you're that confident, then let's do it. And be like, oh, okay, and see where it takes you. But that's what's exciting. I think the next activity that follows along with this chapter is the jealousy map. And she says, your map will have three columns. In the first column, name those who you are jealous of. Next to each name, why? Be as specific and accurate as you can. In the third column, list one action you can take to move towards creative risk and out of jealousy. So I wanted to hear how you did with this activity, Jer. It was very revealing. And I was actually happy that I, this exercise came up because it allowed me to be very specific instead of being relatively vague and trying to come up with the answers for that. For me, there was three different areas that are here that I ended up putting into the map. I won't name the names. In a specific area, I was talking more about the photographers and videographers that I know and what is it that they're doing. And the thing that I said that why I'm jealous of those individuals is because they're, to me, I feel like they're accomplished photographers and videographers and they do really cool stuff in really awesome places. That makes me very jealous because I want to be able to do something similar. I want to be in that area as well. And then the action I told myself is that I can create my own content creation business or a freelance or something. So putting myself in that risk of doing the thing, making it real, but also through that, I can learn even more than what I'm doing now, which is very minimal, putting myself out there to create a business that's around the thing that I want to do can make me be in that same level as them. Interesting. Yeah. Similarly, I wrote four that came to mind for me. And it was interesting to see that two of the four were influencers. And the idea of creating content and how they create content is something that I would love to do. And it's interesting to look at the actionable step and being like, okay, yeah, I write that. But like, how easy mm -hmm. is that? I thought it was really good though, as like you were saying, to be very aware of the steps and to have it come to light, where in your head you can be like, oh, I'm jealous of this person or this thing, but to have it written down that way and to follow it by like, why are you jealous and how can you do it? It feels very like you can make those next steps and you feel a lot more in control of the situation. Okay, that is a map of what I would like to do, so let's do it, which I think is definitely something you could come back to as well, which is... Again, always interesting to see the, how she gets creative each week. Yeah, absolutely. And you hit it right there is just instead of saying I am envious or jealous of the, these people and what they do. And then when the action of, okay, so how do you get there? It's not question marks anymore. You actually wrote it down what it is that you could do. And it's just putting it into action to get to where it is that you want it to be. So yeah, I definitely want to revisit this as time goes on and see where things change as we move forward. Yeah, I think this activity is definitely good for people that are like, I don't know where to start. I want to know what goals should I be setting or how do I move forward? I think this one is very telling of the direction you would like to go. Yeah, and that leads us into the next exercise, which she calls archaeology. She says the phrases that follow are more of your sleuth work. Very often we have buried parts of ourselves that can be uncovered by some digging. Not only will your answers tell you what you missed in the past, they will tell you what you can be doing now to confront and encourage your artist child. It is not too late 
no matter what your ego tells you. What did you have for your phrases, which I'll let people know. Some of the phrases are, as a kid, I missed the chance to. As a kid, I wanted to. I am sorry that I will never again see blank. So a lot of stuff that taps into the childhood side of things, but also the next section of that exercise, I feel like taps into to where you are at in the present. So she has 10 kind of phrases in the beginning, and then the following 10 are a bit more positive inventory of what she calls it. For me, it was interesting. One of them I said, as a kid, I missed the chance to learn a skill, in parentheses, a sport language instrument. And feeling, I guess that connects to the idea of if I didn't learn it then, I'm not going to be able to have it now. You have to be a prodigy or you're not going to do it. But it's interesting, 8, 9, and 10, which were, I am sorry that I will never again see. For years, I have missed and wondered about blank. I beat myself up about the loss of blank. I couldn't fill those in. I really? had no answer. I, I sat there for probably 10 minutes trying to think of an answer to any of them. And for the never again see, I feel like I could still see things unless... Like it was someone that passed away, but I felt like if I wanted to see something again, I could. There's nothing that I've sat here for years and been like, wow, I really miss and wonder about this. And so I was sitting there, I don't think about it. So obviously I don't miss it. And then 10, I was like, I don't really beat myself up about things because I'm like, things happen for a reason and mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's too late. So those are just really hard for me to do. But I did enjoy the positive inventory because a lot of times we're focusing on the dreary past and to look at what's going right with questions like, I think I have nice blank. I am taking a greater interest in blank. I believe I'm getting better at blank. I had fun doing it. What about you? Yeah, I had fun doing it too. We were talking about eight, nine and 10. That was actually probably the quicker answers for me, which is, I guess, a little strange. But from 8, 9, and 10, I can see how things are different now than they were back in the day. For 8, I said, I'm sorry that I will never again see that carefree attitude. I think as we grow up and become adults, there's things that are a little bit more serious or you have to carry yourself a certain way that you can't be as carefree as you were as a child. That makes sense, too. I guess I still believe I can be because I'm 22. <laughs> okay, let's not. And number nine, moving rapidly along, I said, for years I have missed and wondered about if I was still just like him, him being me as a kid and how I felt as a kid. And I know we talked about this a previous week too, but it was just very telling of what I experienced as a child and wanting to get back to that feeling again. But in the other side, in the positive inventory, I see like the light really of everything yeah. and the things that ended up happening in, in my childhood and really being able to tap into that even more gives me a little bit more appreciation of where I am today. And the, at number 10 on the positive inventory is possibly my creativity is growing. And I think that is very telling of not just myself, but for you as well. As time moves on, we just continue to grow into the people that we want to be. And there's just a lot of comfort and knowing that yeah and i love hearing you be able to do things that i'm like i'm stuck i'm like oh that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> but i wanted to share my number 10 as well because i felt like it was a big step for me and i said possibly my creativity is in me and not what i create i love that and that idea was for some reason it just came to me as i was writing it i was like oh that's how i'd fill it in but i sat there and i was like wow that's 
comforting to think about and it changes the way I make things. That's beautiful. I love that. Do you feel like that answer would have been different if you say weren't going through the artist's way? For sure. I think prior to the program, like the idea was very much that my creativity is defined by what I produce. And that's why people are like, oh, I'm not creative. I can't mm. paint. Or, And it's not about what you are making it's inside of you and it feels a lot more connective that way and i and i hope that resonates with people too oh too and this takes us to the end of the chapter where we tackle the tasks of the week which ones did you do so i did five out of ten nice but definitely a week i would come back to to finish out my favorite as i mentioned at the beginning of the episode was number two it says, give yourself time to listen to one side of an album just for joy. You may want to doodle as you listen, allowing yourself to draw the shapes, emotions, thoughts you hear in the music. Notice how just 20 minutes can refresh you. Learn to take these mini artist dates to break stress and allow insight. And I ended up listening to uh, the Jonas Brothers new album. Nice. <laughs> nice. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that they had a new album. I'll listen to it. And... I think in anything that you listen to, this is a really interesting activity. Did you do this one? I did not. Oh my gosh, I need you to do this one because okay. it's really interesting because when we listen to music, it's a very, for me, a connective experience where I can, it can change my mood, the energy, but to put in headphones, play the music loud and to draw like what's coming up to you is such a creative process. And it's so weird because when I was doing it, I wasn't thinking about oh, what am I producing out of this? It was simply like, oh, I'm enjoying the music and feeling that energy through me. And I guess it connects to the beginning of the episode, listening to what comes from that and writing it down, drawing it. So I that had a lot of fun so with cool. that. I also did create one wonderful smell in your house. I lit a bunch of candles. I also liked the quickly list five favorite films. Do you see any common denominators among them? When I looked at my films, I wrote, they're always about a average person amounting to success or completing amazing things. And there's usually a romance element that is secondary to the hero's journey. So wow, what they're doing is not necessarily about the romance that just comes with it. But it's interesting. It's a lot of come up movies yeah. where it's like zero to hero or underdog kind of stories, rags to riches, if you will, which I thought was really interesting. I can actually see that in you. Really? <laughs> yeah, I actually can. I wouldn't say zero, but I mean, there is the sense of you wanting to be the best version of you and to be very successful in the things that you're involved in. I do see that in you, that there's this sense of wanting to be the very best at what it is that you do. And I can definitely see that for sure. I appreciate that. <laughs> Which ones did you do? I did the number four, create one wonderful smell in your house. I actually cooked which I haven't wow. cooked in quite some time. And it really brought back that sense of passion when it comes to cooking and what I feel when I do that. I used to cook all the time, loved cooking new recipes, and just really had a love for the kitchen that I lost over time just because I'm focused on other things or whatever. So it was nice to have that nice smell of freshly cooked food by your own hand go throughout my apartment. So that really brought me back to wanting to be back in the kitchen again, which is great. The other one was buy yourself one wonderful pair of socks, one wonderful pair of gloves, one wonderfully comforting, self-loving something about workout shorts. I think it was time for me to finally commit to the idea that I, I need a little bit more exercise in my life. And <laughs> 
actually buying stuff that fits you and you feel comfortable in. So I bought the workout shorts and put them on. I was like, Ooh, look good. I'm going to work out. So I, I ended up doing that. And then the last one that I did was actually number one, the make this phrase a mantra treating. Yeah. Treating myself like a precious object will make me strong. I put it actually in my in the iPad and I drew everything out and I colored it. And oh, cool! Uh, I figured that if I'm not going to print it out and put it somewhere, I'm always in this notepad. I'm looking at the chapters, I'm reading, I'm doing my morning pages. It was a place where I am in every single day. So I created that and I was actually really happy with myself, but I also made sure not to make it perfect. I didn't spend too much time on trying to make things straight and making it look as good as I could possibly make it. I just drew it. I colored it, highlighted stuff, made it look really cool. And I let it be because I thought that that was necessary for what we were learning this week. Wow. Yeah, I also did it and I used markers on marker paper and it was a struggle because I was wanting to measure it out and I was like, you can do one drawing and then you have to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. I think it's a simple thing to be able to do and is impactful and I'm happy to hear you did it as well. And that brings us to the end of this week. How did this week make you feel overall? I think this week feels very much like a stepping stone into me believing in myself and finally taking action and seeing where it goes. So I'm excited to see what the final five weeks hold. Next week is recovering a sense of strength. And so maybe that's what I need to finish strong. What about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. Again, this is another week where things came to light, something that needed to be addressed multiple times and having that synchronicity throughout the week of what we were learning that was put into real life. It's just, again, the highlight for me is you don't need to be perfect. Just you simply doing the thing is perfect. Yeah, this was a really great week and I'm excited for what week eight has in store for us. But with that, we want to hear from you. Leave us a comment on Instagram or Twitter at the LY Foundation or on Facebook, facebook.com slash the LY Foundation. Let us know what you thought about today's episode and what connection means to you. Also, please leave us a review of the LYF podcast. That way we can continue to produce more content and grow the show. Thank you for listening to the conversation. And until next time, love yourself, love one another, and love this planet we call home.